It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, here we are. We have reached the end of the first week of the country in lockdown. If you are one of the people doing their bit, staying at home, only going out for absolute necessity and entertaining your children, your partner or your parents... I salute you. We are going to be here for a while, ladies and gentlemen, so you may as well get used to it. Today, uh, we are going to try and celebrate what is great about our country, what is amazing about our people, and just how we are going to get through all of this, the biggest challenge to face our nation for three generations. Forget the stupidity of the minority out there, ignore the nastiness of the small-minded, and let us be thankful that this government uh, is handling the crisis with a level of calm and common sense in the face of an army of critics from the media, the Labour Party, and armchair medical specialists. Yesterday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak unveiled a £9 billion rescue package for the self-employed. Not everyone was satisfied uh, by but what he did, but he went a great deal further than most people expected. Today, he's being urged to speed up the payments, which at the moment won't be available until June, and I'm sure he might be able to do that. We'd like to be your voice on this, so if you have particular concerns, please let us know. I know that some of you are saying uh, that you'd like to have seen other measures being brought in. We'd like to hear from you what those are, because we can then pass them on to the powers that be. You can call us of course on 0344 499 1000 because your views and your news uh, is most important to us because we are the only radio station in the land that cares about what you think, that cares about what you want and that actually listens to what you would want to do. Coming up we'll bring you the latest news from Downing Street which has effectively suspended the housing market and asked for councils to house all the homeless people. I'm expecting Idris Elba, Sam Smith and Lily Allen to step forward in the next few hours amongst many celebrity friends, maybe even Emma Thompson, uh, to offer beds in their palatial mansions for all the people that they're always banging on about feeling sorry for. 0344 499 1000. And because it's Friday, we have the Perrier Awards, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting this week. Plus, our homeschooling section today is all about cooking. So don't forget to listen to that. We'll be talking to a celebrity chef from Ready Steady Cook. And as usual, we are live streaming on YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter. Get on it right now. You can watch us as well as listening to us. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course... Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, the newspapers this morning seem to be full on the front pages, very much more on the eco- on the economy and the economics of this particular pandemic than they are on the medical uh, part of it. So let's do uh, the complete opposite of that and talk uh, to one of our favourite doctors, Dr Lawrence Gurlis, who is a London GP, of course, at Same Day Doctor, because we need to know, as well as the financial aspects of all of this, how the kind of um, medical... Uh, community is following the virus and how the virus is proceeding. Dr Lawrence, a very good morning to you. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks very much. How are you coping with it all? Yeah, I'm just trying to check my temperature, which I do every day at the moment. All right. You know, you uh, the batteries have run out on my thermometer. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, it's a funny time, isn't it? Because I yeah. mean, from 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 any given moment to moment, I will sometimes think, "Oh, I feel a bit hot," and then I'll get a bit sweaty, yeah. and I'll think, "Well, if I'm a bit sweaty, that's not a bad thing because that means I haven't got a temperature." I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and if I cough, I'm thinking to myself, "Oh God, you know, have I got have I got it?" You know. But so far, so yeah. good. I still think I might have had it, and I know I've bored people with this story before, um, but I had a kind of you know fairly persistent kind of cold type, you know, sore throat, headache, bad ears, bad everything, you know, snotty nose, for about sort of eight weeks from from beginning of December to the beginning, to the middle of sort of February. 
Yeah, I have to say, Mike, that I've started doing these blood tests, these antibody tests this week. Okay. And I've seen a lot of people in your type of situation. Mm. And there was me thinking also, well, you know, I see a lot of patients. I must be immune. I have to say most people are disappointed. I've picked up just two, just 10% of the people that I've done. They're actually positive. A lot of people have had these winter colds thinking, oh, well, you know, I've thrown off coronavirus, I've survived. And also, it means you're immune and you can go out and, and you know, enjoy yourself with gay abandon. Yes. But actually, I would, I would guess uh, that you're not immune and you haven't had coronavirus. And I know you can have it without symptoms, but the people we've picked up, you know, they've been in bed for a week. Right. And they, re they really know they've, they've had the virus. So, well, the only, uh, the only reason I would say what I say is not, not because I wish to be cavalier about it in any way. I, don't, I certainly don't want to I'm go sure. out there and, and make out like I'm immune or anything like that. But, but the medical establishment has told me um, that, you know, you can have a variety of different symptoms. You can have yeah. very mild symptoms. You yeah. can have had coronavirus without knowing it. Well, that's absolutely true. And, and I'm aware of someone today with virtually no symptoms who right. had a positive swab uh, as well. So it, it's, uh, and that was a swab rather than an antibody test. So it's very difficult. And uh, one of the problems is we're still not testing enough people in this country. Um, the, test, the swab tests are not freely available. The, the antibody blood tests are not freely available. So we really don't know. Having said that, the one figure we can look at is the death rate, because that's pretty reliable. Yes. And, I, and I've been saying for a while, and I, I don't want to say I told you so, I said that Italy has reached peak, and it has, I believe, and I said that we are, we are not just simply two weeks behind Italy, and we're going to follow that curve. We're absolutely not. Uh, there will be sadly more, more deaths in this country, but we're not going to get to 800 deaths a day uh, that Italy and Spain are right. suffering at the moment. And why um, is it that, I mean, we kind of, we, we can sort of understand why Italy might have a, had a problem, but yeah. why Spain? Well, it's a difficult one. I, I think a cafe society, uh, a lot of young people who were, who were going out, whether being a Catholic country and, and whether that makes a difference as well, but I think more importantly, it's, it's a country that probably haven't, had a lot of flu right. since the Spanish, the Spanish flu, which mm. was 100 years ago, probably not vaccinated. So that generally, the level of immunity, not to COVID, but general immune system, uh, is not what it is in the UK. I mean, I have no idea whether Spain uh, has flu vaccination campaigns the way that we do in the UK. Now, I may be wrong, and it may well be that the flu vaccine doesn't protect you against COVID. It, it's, look, it's a very odd. It's very odd that Italy is worse than China. China is a country of how many billion people? 1.5 billion yes. people? Yeah. And yet... Well, Spain is now worse than China as well. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why are two first world westernised countries? And the, the, the things, are, as I say, in parallel, a lot of young people in a cafe society, people who were going out socialising every evening... For, uh, for a long time while this uh, pandemic was in the early stages. Yes, uh, I mean, I certainly know just anecdotally from, from someone that went there uh, at the time, that when we were sort of at the beginning of, of, of starting to be aware of coronavirus and starting to take precautions, um, Spain wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But, uh, you know, having said that, Spain and Italy have now been shut down, what, for a couple of weeks? Yeah. Uh, we're only just, I think, beginning to see the number of cases uh, plateau out. Um, and, of course, from our point of view, we, what we need to know is when, when is it going to plateau out here, if it isn't already, and I hope it is, but then when and how do they lift the restrictions? I mean, at what point does, um, does Mr Johnson stand up and say, we're going to open the shops? Right, or the pubs. Uh, well, if you start saying we'll open the pubs and restaurants, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it'd be like? Well, I'm, I'd be straight. I'd be straight downstairs and straight yeah. into one. I think. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, and fifty million other people. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and that's that's the the problem from the government's point of view is they they may well bring this under control, and I think they are, and I think they're doing okay. Yeah. But what happens when you start to relax the restrictions and when do you start doing that? Because I think people are going to go stir crazy. I'm, I said to my wife yesterday, although I am still going to work, uh, still part time, I'm trying to do much from home. I said to my wife, is it a week since the lockdown? She said, no, it's two days. Yes. It, it feels like a week. 
It really yeah. does. I mean, there was an interesting piece, I don't know if you've seen it, it's been doing the rounds on, on social media from uh, The Spectator, a piece by um, a, a, a sort of retired doctor, um, a guy whose name I'm just trying to find to see whether you know him. Uh, Dr John Lee is his name. Yeah, um, no, I, it, I don't know. And he's writing a piece basically around, you know, what if you know, all of this that we're doing isn't actually necessary. What if it doesn't need to have been done? I, I don't really follow that argument no, because at no, the end of the I, day, at the end yeah. of the day, I think people have, have accepted it. Most yeah. people understand that it has to be done. And I don't think there's any point in, in making the argument that, you know, we're, we're putting the economy at risk. No, I would disagree with him totally. This, this has to be done. The economy is at risk, but I think people's lives are more important. Yeah. And, and I think things will bounce back, but it'll take a long time. I mean, people are talking about some shops, some chains of shops are saying they may never reopen. I mean, the retail sector has been having a bad enough time anyway. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I, look, this has to be done. We have to isolate. And, and hopefully, if we can get a sort of three-week isolation to get a fire break to stop the virus spreading... Yeah then hopefully uh, we're OK. And I actually take a different view as well, which is that, you know, as you say quite rightly, some of the high streets were, were suffering pretty badly anyway. Yeah. This might actually have the reverse effect, um, albeit in a bizarre way, because the government is willing to stump up so much money, it's willing yeah. to give so many tax holidays and tax breaks yeah. to people yeah. that it might actually rejuvenate business. Yeah, push money into the economy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm talking outside my area of expertise. Don't worry, but, so yeah, everybody I, does that now. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everyone's an expert. <laughs> I've now become an economics guru. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how are you on world trade? You know, I remember all those people who oh, knew I'll, everything I'll, about I'll world trade. Yeah. I'll, let, I'll, I'll give you my opinion on the Brexit deal next. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, this is the thing that really annoys me. You know, you might have heard my, my intro to the show today. Uh, all these armchair sort of, you know, uh, epidemiologists and pandemic specialists yeah. who... And, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what's really starting to grind my gears at the moment is the media questioning the Prime Minister and the, and the, and the medical specialists who do these press conferences every day. You know, people yeah. from Sky News, people from the BBC and the Daily Mail saying, wouldn't you save more lives if you did this? It's like, what's wrong with you, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I think they're doing OK. Uh, maybe they should have done some of the things they're doing a bit earlier, but I'm not going to criticise them. And uh, I mean, I it's a massive problem, fine. isn't it? It's a ma I mean, can you imagine wrestling huge, with this? It's, no, it's, it's huge. And you've, you've got to balance people's lives, running their service, getting the supplies to the doctors and nurses, getting the testing kits out, and worrying about running the economy at the same time. It's, yes. it's a nightmare. It really is. It's war. Yeah. Uh, people have uh, said to me, this is war. It's yeah. world war. Uh, and it's, we live in very strange times. You know, watching TV, uh, as someone said on Twitter, you see people on, on TV program films going to restaurants and shaking hands, yeah. and you think, no, no, that's a different <laughs> world. Yes, I know. Well, what are you feeling about the sort of supply chain, if you like, of uh, people working in the NHS, people who are supposedly being, in, uh, you know, uh, exposed to the virus yeah. on a daily basis, but not no. necessarily with enough protection? Now, we were taken by surprise, and but, but then who wouldn't be with something like this? We didn't have enough uh, protection equipment for the staff. I think some of it's getting there now. I'm not sure that problem has been solved yet. It has been an issue, and we don't want a situation as in Italy where 12% of the cases are in frontline medical staff. That would be an absolute yes. disaster. But, I mean, we took a couple of calls uh, yesterday from people concerned that their spouse was working in the NHS and they didn't have any protection and they should, in their view, have had, like, the full kind of chemical warfare-type yeah. suit. I mean, yeah. is that what they need? Well, I think, well, yeah, I think that if you've got the right equipment with the, the mask and the hat and the, the right uh, mask, the PPE-3 mask, the gun and the gloves, you know, that's good enough. It doesn't have to be a full space suit. But uh, there has been a shortage even of, of the real thing. Yes. And the other thing that, that sort of I always try to seek clarity on is, is things like in the front page of The Sun this morning, the headline, One Brit Dies Every 13 Minutes. I'm pretty certain that if you were to take that statistic any other day of any other year, it probably wouldn't be that yeah. far, far different, would it? Yeah, I, there is this argument that some of these people would have died this year anyway, and yeah. people die flu. I, this this virus is exceptional. It's incredibly contagious. That's the thing. It does spread to people very quickly, yeah. and it does have some very nasty um, effects on the lungs. Yeah. So I, I, I'm I, I'm not the thought. Oh, this is just flu by another name. This is nasty stuff. Yeah. We've got to get rid of this. 
We've got to get a vaccine. We've got to get the world vaccinated against this. It's, a, it's an absolute health priority. You know, in this day and age, when people talk about heart disease and cancer and other degenerative diseases, to think that an infectious disease, 100 years down the line from the Spanish flu, an infectious disease is causing this with all our modern medicine, that in itself, it's surprising, yeah. and, and we should take it very seriously indeed. And what about the reasons why some people are affected differently? I've heard, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not expecting you to give me a straight answer to this yeah. because you may not know, no, I, but I've heard, I mean, it certainly seems to affect men worse than women. Um, yeah. Our understanding is that it affects people with underlying health concerns more than other people. Yeah. Um, we haven't really still yet seen a case, certainly in this country anyway, of anyone who is not... Um, uh, otherwise healthy, you know, or somebody who's got it badly. Who's? I mean, I'm looking at a story that's just breaking now about 36 year. Been, I think there have been some. I think there have been some. Like one young girl I read about with no underlying health. Yes, uh, except there's been questions asked about that already because apparently um, it's her parents who have said that they think she had coronavirus, but it hasn't uh, actually been uh, okay. confirmed. So, it hasn't been tested. Yeah, so okay. nobody really knows for sure. Similarly, I've got a case in front of me here saying a 36 year old NHS nurse with no underlying health issues is apparently fighting for her life in hospital. Yeah in Walsall. Um, but again, until you know all the, all the, all the actual details of the case, you can't know for sure. Yeah, one thing that's not been talked about, I've been told that smokers do worse than non-smokers. Right. On first principles, you wouldn't make sense. And I think in China, the men smoke a lot more than the women. Okay. So I think that's some, some of the data. Um, but I think it's probably real that men do worse. I don't really know the answer to that. Right. And, I mean, the other thing I've heard, and again, you can completely dismiss it as just sort of, you know, pub talk, if you like, um, that there might be some link to different types of blood. Like, blood type might have a... Might have a yeah, no, that's... That, yeah, that's Is that rubbish? Yeah, that's the whole blood group. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, more than happy like, for you to debunk like, anything, you know? Yeah. No, it's the way people used to ask me about what blood group they are so they can choose what diet they are. I mean, it's, it's about as valid as, yes. as, as that. Right. But, so, I mean, no, as no, far as you're concerned, um, the, the progress, if you like, of the virus at the moment is, is, is exactly as you would have expected it to be. Yeah, I, I've been optimistic. This talk of 250,000, 500,000 people dying is nonsense. Even this 20,000, we are going to... We're on top of this now. We are plateauing out in this country. We've just got to be patient for another two to four weeks right. and then gradually lift the restrictions. Okay. Um, I, I, we, we are, I believe uh, we're at the peak. And, and, I've, I've, you know, and I, I, said, I said two weeks ago, by the end of March, we're going to see the beginning of the end. And everything I've seen so far, bearing in mind yesterday's death figures, were amalgamated with sort of a day and a half rather than a day's figures. Yes. And we'll see what today's are like. Uh, I, I believe that, as I said, the end of March, we will see the beginning of the end. And okay. by the end of April, we'll be seeing real progress. OK, well, that's very encouraging news, uh, Dr Gurlis, and I think that many people will uh, will welcome that. I will, I will let you go with this thought. Apparently, one piece of good news uh, is apparently International Whiskey Day today. So uh, feel free <laughs> okay. to leave okay. uh, from these premises right now and go and have a, a, okay. a couple of shots of I scotch. <laughs> I will. Thank you very Thanks, much. Dr Lawrence Gurlis. Thank you very much indeed. GP at Same Day Doctor. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The good people of California had a nice surprise to wake up to this morning, by the way, despite the fact that they're in lockdown. Harry and Meghan are moving there. Isn't that great? Great news. Let's move to Hollywood. Uh, okay. 
Let's talk to Henry, who's in the Cotswolds. Hello, Henry. Morning, Mike. Morning, sir. Happy, how, how are you? Happy Whiskey Day to you. Yes, indeed. I mean, it's a bit early for me, but I'll have one later. Well, I've got one right by my bed now. <laughs> Excellent. I've, I've been in lockdown for... Uh, this is the end of my sixth week now. Oh, goodness me, really. How's that working out for you? It's bloody miserable. <laughs> um, I'm afraid to say, sorry about um, Look, I've got immediate family in all of the areas where it's been really dreadful. Um, right. uh, North Italy, um, uh, immediate Spain. family. Um, ho yes, Spain, Holl Holland, um, right. and, um, funny enough, uh, San Diego, California. Um, now, the reason I'm phoning, a couple of things, mm. really. The first thing is I want to send my love and thoughts out to everyone who works in a field that I used to work in, which is with people with autism. Okay. And uh, because of the nature of uh, autism, it's very difficult to have a change of pattern and things like that. Hmm. And uh, so, of course, that's very difficult. But the main thing I want to say is beg people to take this very, very seriously. I love that uh, interview you just had with the doctor. Yes. Although I, we cannot be sure about this being uh, the end. I, I've had... Um, my daughter in the UK, um, uh, she's she had this virus in um, must have been January. Okay, was she tested uh, for it? No, but I can assure you, she had all the symptoms. She thought she was going to die. Right, uh, and she's a really tough cookie. I mean, she's uh, there's no doubt about it. This was not uh, any normal anything like a normal thing. Yes, and um, uh, I. Just want people's behaviour. I mean, I'll give you an example. I've got here in front of me from my um, sister-in-law in, in Italy, who's she's actually been studying this virus, and uh, um, she reckons that the her exact words, and if the idiots in the UK, and this is only a couple of days ago, I yeah. got this, still mixing and mingling, don't wake up and smell the coffee, or soon they'll be smelling, they'll be getting the smell of death, yeah. I paraphrase that. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, um, most of that nonsense seems to have stopped now. Yeah. Yes, I hope so. Uh, can I tell you one little thing about my... Because I've got... I'm taking it so seriously. I've had two deliveries from the supermarket. OK. Uh, I've not been able to get any loo roll. I haven't had any for weeks and weeks. Right. But that's a, that's a first-world problem. Yeah. So uh, neither here nor there. But... Uh, I really think people want to be very, very careful with the just the contamination through their yeah. shopping. I'm sure this is a very big and serious thing. And one last thing, I drink a beer called Piston Head, and they didn't have any of that, but they supplemented it with life and death, and it made me smile. <laughs> whoever, whoever. Well, listen, as long as you can keep smiling, Henry, that's the main thing. Stay safe, have a glass of whiskey by all means, because this, today is International Whiskey Day, and thank you so much for calling. Six weeks for Henry uh, in self-isolation. Let's talk to Tom, uh, who's in Guildford. Hi, Tom. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, thank yeah, you. What can, what can I do for you? Yes, I, I was just calling. I'm a, a gas registered engineer. Okay. Um, they do a lot of work for letting agents and people like that. Oh, yeah. And landlords. Um, and at the moment, as far as I'm aware, um, gas safety, annual gas safety checks for landlords are still having to be completed in all their red houses. Right. Um, which means that we're sort of being forced to go to work, try and get into different people's houses. And I'm sort of driving around going from house to house where everyone's isolating. Yes. I'm just worried that we're still going to spread it around. I mean, yes. How easy, is it, how easy is it for you to keep your distance from those people when you get inside? Um, well, as easy as it is in a small house, really. Yeah. There, it's still hallways. People are sort of leaving me to it. But right. I could have something on my hands and be in their house and see I've got a mask and um, gloves and things like that. But it's still just... Like they've decided on keys, I think, for six months, haven't they? On cars, yes. disabled, taking, and it's the same thing with a gas safety check, really. Right. Except we're actually having to go into people's houses. Right. Um, I mean, I suppose um, on the on the on the on the opposite side of the argument that you're making, which is very valid, um, you might say if you weren't making these uh, inspections, then uh, you know people might be in danger of of the gas um, problem exploding. 
yeah, that is true. But then at the same time, it's it's not law for people to have them in if you probably own your house. Yes. So most privately owned houses, it's very rare. I probably do a year for privately owned houses annual gas safety checks. Right. Whereas I'm, we maybe do five hundred. We don't even do that many. Five hundred landlords' gas safety checks. Okay. So, if you privately own your house, it's likely you've not had an annual gas safety check anyway. Yes, right, gotcha. And I think uh, it's a much more risk. And and who who who's responsible for making a decision about what you do? I'm assuming Gas Safe, right, um, and the government together. Um, so I got an email from Gas Safe. I remember went out to all Gas Safe engineers yesterday, saying they they still do need to be done. You can do them two months early, but it still means that we're going into those houses now. I'm not really sure that right. anything, they should be sort of turning them back so they don't need to come until later on in the summer, yeah. I assume. I mean, um, it would be handy, wouldn't it? If, if I mean, if Dr Lawrence Gurless, who was just talking to us, is right, and we don't know whether he is, we're only talking about maybe doing this for a month, why, it would be sensible, wouldn't it, for them to say to you, why don't you just not do anything for a month? Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not, I think I'm about 40 that I'm supposed to have done by the end of the month. Because mm. they're expiring. Right. But all of these 40 houses had a gas safety check done this time last year, whereas, like I said, most private houses haven't, maybe yeah. haven't had one done for years. Right. Um, Okay. Well, you know what? All I all I can do, Tom, is I'll promise you that I will ask uh, the next minister I get on, the next person I get on who wants to talk about uh, what the movements are and what the the, the restrictions are. Uh, I'll put that very question to him because we have a lot of gas engineers I know listening to this show. Many of them have called me before. So very interesting uh, piece of information. That thank you, Tom. Now, one of the many things that we weren't able to do this week was to uh, film Plank of the Week. Uh, but what we have done is we put it out there as a podcast. So uh, after this show, you can go and do listen to that if you wish. I did it in the company of Emma. Webb uh, and Maya Tuzzi. Uh, just a few uh, weeks ago, we were hoping to do it with Chris Snowden. That seems a very long time ago. Chris, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing down in Brighton? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, actually. Um, remarkably, I because I'm able to come into work, because that's what they want me to do, um, I'm not suffering too much because, you know, I do actually get out of the house for a few hours. Yeah, I hope you're not going on the tube. Uh, certainly not, no. As soon as I saw that the idiot who is the mayor of this city of ours decided to put them on a, a, a weekend schedule, thereby making them go seven to eight minutes apart, which was a week ago Tuesday, I said, that's it for me. I'm driving in from now on. And I'm happy to say at least they've stopped the congestion charge and, and the car parks have become free. Yeah, I'm pleased to hear it. So, I mean, there is some progress being made. Are you, like me, surprised at how kind of easily this has all happened, if you like? How easily was happened, sorry? Well, the, the lockdown. I mean, you know, if you'd said to me a month ago, you know, I think it was about maybe a month ago, you were due to come in um, to do Plank of the Week with us. You weren't feeling terribly well, so we didn't get to do that with you. Um, but I was still, I mean, even as recently as two weeks ago, I was pretty certain that it wouldn't get to this stage. But here we are, and we're all kind of accepting it. We are, yeah, uh, for the time being. And, yeah, the government's strategy has been controversial. I think it's been misrepresented by some people. But um, part of the reason for not locking down at the drop of a hat mm. was because they feared that people would get sick of it yes. quite quickly. And when, if and when, we are required to go into lockdown to deal with the second wave, the government was concerned that people simply wouldn't do it. Yeah. So I think from that point of view, the government strategy has been right, but we're at such an early stage still. You know, we're, we're going to be in lockdown for weeks and weeks. Yeah. And who knows what will happen come, I don't know, uh, June, July, August. Yeah, and we already have seen a couple of interesting things happening. I mean, yesterday, roundly condemned for it, as, as they probably should have been, Derbyshire police put a drone up and started telling people not to take their dogs for a walk in the Peak District, which appears to be a very uninhabited and quiet place. Yeah, and this is the problem. This is why civil libertarians get, get very concerned about these kind of measures, right. because um, the police don't necessarily obey the spirit of the law. I mean, perhaps they were technically right. Uh, people walking around the Peak District were not taking essential exercise, but what harm were they causing to other people? Yes. I mean, particularly when you compare it to people on the London Underground, as we just mentioned. Well, exactly. There seems to be a lack of common sense there, and people like myself are always concerned that if you uh, hastily push through uh, a load of legislation, that the police are going to interpret it in the worst possible way. Mm. Are these the kind of teething problems that I suppose we would see, though? Because somebody else suggested to me that, you know, why are the police sticking their heads into people's car windows to ask them where they're going when you're supposed to be staying two metres apart? Well, indeed, yeah. And why is Jeremy Corbyn still going into Parliament? Well... He's supposed to be self-isolating. Well, he's not even meant to be leading the Labour Party anymore, really. So, I mean, it's about time he went home, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think he's more or less accepted that now, yeah. <laughs> but he's not retiring. Make sure you don't make that mistake, because that's what Boris did, and he got very grumpy. But, I mean, what do you see? I mean, a lot of people are concerned that because we have relatively easily moved into this fairly sort of dictatorial situation with the government, um, that we may not actually come out of it in the same way that we went into it, if you know what I mean. Well, it's obviously a big concern. I mean, I don't think any of the MPs... Um, have used this in a cynical way because they want to bring about a police state. Mm. I think the danger will come in a couple of years' time when this is all part of history and you get various single-issue pressure groups looking back, looking at the evidence from this incredible natural experiment, and you'll have people, I think, saying, look at how much air pollution dropped by in London. Look yeah. how much uh, greenhouse gas emissions dropped by. Look how much, let's say, crime dropped by. I think it's plausible that certain crimes, um, and probably overall crime, will decline over the next few weeks. Certainly burglaries are, are going to decline, I would have thought. Um, and you'll get people who have a particular agenda saying, well, we don't want to bring about a full lockdown, but maybe there are elements of the lockdown we could introduce in order to deal with public health issues or climate change issues or whatever it is they're concerned about. We have seen this before. Um, there have been quite a few public health researchers um, looking at the Second World War, for mm. example, which was a dreadful time by any objective measure, but they quite like the rationing aspect of it. They right. quite like the fact that there wasn't very much obesity then, that food was more sort of evenly distributed. Um, there was a study came out a few years ago looking at Cuba in the early 1990s when the economy completely collapsed and people were very hungry. Right. And they ran out of oil and so they had to walk more and, and uh, all this kind of stuff. And surprise, surprise, rates of obesity fell. Mm. And apparently there was some improvement in heart disease mortality. And this wasn't portrayed as being a sort of a silver lining to a very big cloud. It was kind of... Uh, there are lessons to be learned here, you know. Right. Um, and the the underlying message, of course, is that actually deprivation and, and restrictions on liberties are actually a good thing in quite a lot of ways. Well, I mean, when you see the the behaviour of people fighting over toilet roll in the in the supermarket aisles, you do wonder whether people like that should even have the right to vote. I mean, that's always the way I'm left feeling. But I'm always a little bit nervous of looking at you know, what you might call uh, dictatorships and going, yeah, but, you know, the people are much more in order there than they are here. There's not as much crime in Dubai as there is in London. Well, that's fine, but, you know, you also don't get sort of, you know, your hands chopped off for stealing. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, if, if you don't let people do anything, then the number of people doing bad things is bound to decline. Yeah. The problem is the number of people doing good things and doing things that they want to do in life... Um, also declines enormously. It's too big a price to pay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't think we're, we're leading inexorably to a police state by any means. These are clearly emergency mm. laws. But, you know, history does tell us that emergency laws uh, often spill over into, into peacetime. I mean, that was really the argument that Friedrich Hayek was making in 1944 when he yeah. wrote The Road to Serfdom, which is really the book that... Uh, led to the creation of the Institute of Economic Affairs in the first place. Yes. He was very concerned that because the state had become much, much bigger in order to fight the war, that there would be people saying, well, if this works in wartime, it can work in peacetime. Yes. And I... basically, he lost that argument for, for several decades. Right. And the government did intrude more into uh, private industry, did nationalise all these companies, and, of course, it was a, a fiasco in the end. And from the kind of early 80s onwards, we... Um, tried to undo some of that damage. But the, that, that all did come from a feeling that we won the war because we've acted in effectively a socialist big government way. So perhaps socialism and big government is the answer to our peacetime problems. Yes, I mean, that is a massive mistake to make and obviously all the socialists are currently making it and going on about how, you know, oh, isn't it great that uh, actually maybe Jeremy Corbyn didn't win the election but everybody's now having to do what he suggested. Well, it's not quite that true, is it? No, and it shows that they don't even understand socialism, right. as far as I can see. I mean, what the government's doing at the moment isn't really socialism. It's borrowing a huge amount of money. It's giving it to businesses and the self-employed and to, to workers to tide them over. But that's not anybody's serious idea of socialism. That's what, not what Karl Marx was talking about. The government isn't nationalising industries, certainly at, at least not yet. Um, the kind of measures that the government... Uh, uh, are putting through the kind of borrowing that they're doing is obviously totally unsustainable. Um, I don't think any serious socialist would say that their dream 
society would involve the government borrowing half a trillion pounds a year and just giving it to people while telling them that they're not allowed to work. So it's not even socialism. No, it really isn't. It's interestingly... It's the fetishisation of debt, which we've had now for, for over a decade. Um, people just seem to think that the more money you borrow, the better society gets. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that even the Labour Party in the last election were very keen to make it clear that 95% of people would not be paying any more tax. The reality is, if you want more public spending, and certainly the kind of public spending that we're seeing now and that Jeremy Corbyn promised, people are going to have to pay more tax. It's not going to be a, a small percentage of the population. There simply aren't enough rich people in the country, and they don't have enough money. And if you try and tax them too much, they won't be in the country anymore anyway. Right. But it's a worldwide situation, this, isn't it? Because we've seen the US putting, you know, what, $3 trillion uh, into the economy to keep it going. Um, what's your view of the whole market situation? Because I was talking to somebody the other day who was suggesting maybe it's a good idea to actually shut the market down. Although, just before I ask you to answer that, uh, I'm just going to bring you a bit of breaking news, uh, which is apparently Boris Johnson has tested positive for the coronavirus, Chris. So just oh, when goodness. you thought that uh, it was safe to go to Downing Street, uh, apparently he's got very mild symptoms, but it'll be concerning for his, his partner, Carrie, because she's pregnant. Absolutely. It'll be, con be concerning for a lot of people in the, the Cabinet and the Government and the House of Commons in, in general, I would yeah. have thought. Absolutely. Anyway, back. To, we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, what's your view of the market, at the, the, sort of the stock markets at the moment? Because there are some who think that it's wrong morally uh, for them to be kind of basically, you know, running the casino-like atmosphere that they run um, while all this is going on and effectively profiteering from it. Well, are they profiteering from it? I mean, it looks to me like the stock market, you know, anyone who's got stock market investments has done very badly. Well, what I would say to you is, is my sister worked in Wall Street for many years and she always said to me, whenever anything like this happens, the volatility always means we make money. Well, there will be money to be made for people who are putting their money in, perhaps now or certainly over the next few weeks. There's bound to be a big rebound in the stock market, but it's fallen by something like 40%. Last time I checked, which I have to admit was a few days ago now, because it's all so uh, terrible. Well, it bounced back a bit, I think, in the last couple of days, yeah. certainly in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it is bound to bounce back, and if people have got a bit of money in their pocket, I think the stock market is the best place to put it at the moment. Closing it down will obviously just stop that rebound, or certainly delay that rebound until much later. You need to be very careful about people talking about profiteering. I mean, it, it, it has no meaningful effect on the spread of the virus or any health conditions either way people lose money they they, they make money I, I i think you'd have to um have a serious kind of ethical question with people making money at all yes they'd be too worried about the stock market yes no no sure i get that it's just that because everything else seems to be shut and i know that it's much more automated now than it used to be and so it's not quite as much of a casino situation as it, as it was um from the point of view of, of, of sort of a libertarian i just was interested in what you had to say because in america looking at the way that the states operate because of the fact that you know, the federal government does not have control over every single state without an executive order. I'm told that Florida is still very much open for business and they have not closed it down and the kids are on the beaches celebrating spring break and, and you know, hanging around with each other in a very intimate way, um, which is quite astonishing considering what's going on in New York. It is, but America is a big place, you have to remember. It's not massively different from some country in Eastern Europe mm. being open while the UK is is closed down, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's, it's a federal system. Um, the the other states, I guess, could restrict movement from Florida if they if they wanted to. Yes, exactly right. So, what's your kind of best estimate of of um, of what happens? after the, the if we assume that the, that the that we get past the worst of this what do you think they'll do first i mean will they sort of suddenly say from downing street okay now you can go back to the pub or now you can go back to work or what will they what do you think they're going to do i hope it's going to be the pub first mm. <laughs> we'll all be desperate um, for a maybe, drink maybe by then a bit later i don't i i would imagine they'd do it in kind of reverse order of the way they close them down i guess yeah um, so we'd be looking, hopefully, at opening the schools at some point in the summer term, um, reopening some of the pubs. There'll probably be big social distancing measures in place. Right. I mean, if you look at China, yeah, they have reopened a lot of things. But, for example, a restaurant that would previously have seats for 40 people now has seats for 20 people. There's a huge amount of social distancing uh, remaining in place. So it would be a very much a, a, a gentle and gradual process 
and if the whole thing explodes again, they will, I, I guess, go go into lockdown again. Yeah, right. And as far as the, um, uh, the sort of the, the trading business is concerned, I mean, there will be obviously some businesses that don't survive this. So I'm not quite sure how how long that recovery then takes. Well, th this is why the the government's um, 350 billion pound support package is so important. This is a very different situation to the uh, Great Recession of 2008 and, and indeed every other previous recession. In your normal recession, you've got people, haven't, uh, got people running out of money, they're suddenly tightening their belts for whatever reason, and therefore businesses are struggling. They mm. then start laying people off, then you've got more unemployed people, they haven't got money, and it's a, it's a vicious circle. It's a very different situation here. In this instance, we've, people have got money in their pocket. They would like to spend it. They're being prevented from doing so because the government has closed most of the shops in the hospitality sector. Um, and those who remain on either their full wage or the 80% salary that the government is guaranteeing will presumably save up quite a bit of money over the course of the next couple of months. Mm. And when they are allowed to go back to their shops, we're bound, I think, to see a big bounce in spending. People will catch up with all the things they've been meaning to do. They'll get that haircut they've been desperately needing. Yes. Um, they'll, they'll go to the pub to celebrate. So I, I would expect to see a, a very severe drop in GDP um, in this quarter and, and the next, mm. followed by, if we assume, for the sake of argument, that we come out of this by by the beginning of July, followed by a, a large increase in, in GDP, which won't be enough to you know, make 2020 a good year um, overall, I'm sure, because the, there are there will be businesses that, that unfortunately die out, and not all money is going to be uh, spent at the same level as it would be before. So the person who has a haircut um, is having one haircut rather than two, and they've allowed their hair to grow a bit more shaggier than they, they <laughs> would have done. Yes. Um, but it won't be as bad as you might think, uh, and it is certainly not a a, a long-term problem like a financial crisis is, or like a recession is. Mm, no. uh, we're not trying to get more demand into the economy. In this instance, actually, it's the supply that's the problem. Once the supply has opened up, people should have money, by and large, to um, get back to normal. And in come 2021, there's no reason for the government to be borrowing any more money than it intended to this year. No, of course. Chris, thanks very much indeed. Uh, make sure you keep yourself safe down there uh, on the South Coast. Chris Snowden there from the Institute of Economic Affairs. It is 21 minutes past midday on Friday, the 27th of March. And it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Now, slightly earlier than advertised, uh, I'm delighted to say that Martha Balagon is here uh, to present us with this week's Perrier Awards. Very good afternoon to you. Very good afternoon and welcome to the Perrier Awards. Thank you very much uh, indeed. This is where we look back over the past week of the so-called <laughs> so Independent Republic of My Grandma on Talk Radio and yes. choose our favourite moments. Tremendous. And let's just crack on let's and, do uh, it. as it's tradition. Time uh, is of, es of the essence, is it not, today? Very busy show. Very busy show. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. First Perrier. As tradition goes to you, Bravless. it's the classic pronunciation of the week. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've got another uh, homeschooling uh, pro project to project project tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's Pro weird, isn't it? Project. I think it's an American thing that slips in from time to time. People have been loving my Meghan Markle. If that's um, what you want to tell yourself, that's fine. Well, OK. You think it was just a mistake? <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I take it. But there's plenty of them in this uh, in this Perrier's Award, so uh, stay tuned for that. Former head of uh, Royal Protection Day, Davies, yes. um, came on the show earlier this week and he won the Perrier for Confusion of the Week. Hello. Good night. Good afternoon to you. <laughs> good night. I mean, it was like 10 in the morning. <laughs> yes. Well, maybe he'd been up all night or something. Who knows? We do like him. We do like him. We do like him very much. Very um, much. But to be fair, it's very easy um, to, to forget what time of day it is because we're all on lockdown. Yes. Every day feels the same. Right. And, you know, talk radio legend Alex Dibble mm. uh, also wins a perrier for the very same thing. Good afternoon. Good morning, rather. It's Alex Dibble. <laughs> it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Excellent. It's one of those things in radio, isn't it? If you say it wrong, should you correct it or should you just leave it? Like, I good think... afternoon. I think it depends. Mm. 
But then people will notice at home, and you'll have two kinds of people at home. The ones who'll be like, oh, bless him. Yeah. And the ones who'll go on Twitter and be like, mm, yeah, Alex Civil made yeah. a mistake. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. It is a tricky one. It is. Another one for you, Mike. Yes. It's a classic. I just can't help myself. It's Impression of the Week. Oh, <laughs> nobody asks me how I am. <laughs> Every single time. People love it. I People tell you, love it. Somebody actually t- captured the bit that I did today and put it out on Twitter. Oh, that's good. I did think of theme. I did think of adding that, but then uh, we had the breaking news that Boris Johnson has COVID nineteen. Yes. So I was like, right, I don't have time for that. Now. No, it's a big story. This very big story. Yes. We'll be talking about that later with uh, Charlotte Ivers. But let's go back to earlier in the week again. Former chief of the cancer program at the World Health Organization. Professor Carl Sikora joined us on Monday and he makes it to the Perry Awards for the clarification of the week. Like a pregnancy test, you get it from... Not that I do pregnancy tests on myself, but, you know... <laughs> Thank you very much for letting us know. Yes, because that would really be a waste of time, I think. And he's probably got far more important things to do. Well, yeah, he's probably dealing with cancer patients yeah. and uh, he's also very busy doing uh, interviews. Um, he's on... on uh, ever since we discovered him, um, he's been on every single media channel that you could find. He's been on uh, other shows on this station yes. repeatedly. Uh-huh. Three times this week, I think. Really? think so yeah have they no standards anymore well i don't know well, i don't know what it is but that's not uh, good. you're welcome everyone there used to be a rule that you weren't supposed to put people on if they'd already been on to be in fair the same week yes but we've we've broken that rule today so i wouldn't well, go down that road okay then because <laughs> <we'll> have... <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say that i've officially <laughs> stitched myself up <laughs> correct thank you <laughs> sasha in sunderland mm. she wins an award for becoming our new favorite new caller of the week I'm one of your, I think, number one fans, but I've phoned you for the first time. Well, very, very uh, nice of you to do so. Welcome. Oh, you saved me from LBC. <laughs> Brilliant. We did save her from LBC. Well, a lot of people need saving from LBC. Well, yeah, everyone. Especially at this I time mean, of the day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sasha, welcome. Thank well you for done, joining Sasha. the Independent Republic. Uh, you know, Mike, these are testing times yes. for all of us. Some people are coming up with initiatives. To, Some people um, say there's not enough testing going on. Very good. Thank you. Very good. Yeah. Do we do we have like a comedy? Uh, he doesn't have the. T- t- no, t- 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 <laughs> he should have that really. Like an alarm. Remember when, ha- when we had the alarms? I remember the alarms, and we liked those. Yeah, we like those. Maybe too serious now. Yeah, yeah. No, we can't do it now. But can't we'll find it. something silly okay. maybe in about six months that right. we can talk about. Anyway. Yes. Some people are coming up with initiatives to uh, keep people entertained while they're stuck at home all yes. day. Labour MP Chris Bryant is doing something on Facebook every evening. And uh, this week, he's also won a parrier for becoming the Celebrity Booker of the Week. When are you getting me on? Uh, well, um, <laughs> you should... If you find me on on Twitter, Ron yeah. Bryant, send me a message and I'll send you the details and we'll get you on. There you um, go. There you go. You know, I haven't done it yet. No? I keep meaning to and I keep forgetting. Have you got in touch with him? No, but what I'm following you, you on to? Twitter, but I, yeah. all right, I just need to send him a message. OK. But I haven't done it yet. I mean, I find it's really funny because what he just did is literally my job. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> this is what I do with people, yes. guys. I'm like, yeah, get in touch, you I'll get you on. You do more successfully than he does, though, because four days later I still haven't been on. Yeah, to be fair, he should have been chasing you. He should have been. So, because, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy he wants. Yes. Apparently. The only one. Exactly. Oh, dear. Another one for you, Mike. Yes. Congratulations, uh, because all this week we've been doing a homeschooling segment, which we'll be doing again in a few minutes. And uh, on Wednesday, we were joined by uh, maths genius Carol Vorderman. You did win a Perry Award for not being the Professor of the Week. Ah, uh, surds, yeah, that was the word that I had not ever heard of before. I have no idea what it is. I don't know what it does. I have no idea what the point of it is, uh, but my son, uh, who is 15, uh, does that absolutely every single week, week in, week out. Um, I can't bother, I can't give you an answer. There you go. We learned nothing, guys. It took a long time to get there, didn't it? That and wasn't still, good. I mean, no, I'm surprised good. she was still on the phone by the end of that. Bless her. You know, Bless her. it's we'll like get one of those long on. questions Alan Brazil asks. Well... Speaking of uh, long questions, yes. off to Julia Hartley breakfast. Yes. Uh, poor Julia has been at home, uh, self-isolating yes. uh, for about two weeks. She's not been weeks. feeling well. We send not her best fi- wishes to her. Yes, we wish her a speedy recovery. And in order to cheer her up in the meantime, yes. we're going to give her a parent award for triggering the correction of the week. Uh, delighted to say that uh, Mike Graham is uh, uh, waiting at the other end of the line from his home to take us through the next three hours. Good morning to you. Hello, Julia. I'm in the, I'm in the studio, though. I'm not I'm in at the home. studio. They've yes. allowed you in. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know who told her I was at home. Well, I would Some say... Some misinformation. I would say that's bad production. Fake news. Fake news. Do you think um, it's the producer's fault? I think uh, an incompetence report needs yes. to be issued. Good idea. To, uh... Won't be the first one they've had. 
No, it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Travel guru Simon yes. Calder joined us earlier in the week to talk about EasyJet's boss, uh, Peter Bellew. And you guys won the perrier for the almost swear of the week. So they've got a new boss by the name of Peter Bellew, uh, who is known yeah. by a slightly different name, <laughs> which also starts with Bell as the first syllable uh, and ends yeah. in something else. I, I don't know what you're talking about and no. I'm not going to ask. No. Well, if you listen to Plank of the Week, you'll find out what they call him. Very good. Uh, it's available now uh, on uh, the podcast department. Very good. We were going to play a clip, but we don't have time now, Oh, yeah. So we might we not forgot. do it. Okay. Well, let's play <laughs> Emma that Webb, clip. Emma Webb, Maya Tuzzi. Yes, it's very good. Have and, a listen. And Marcia put it all together as well. I did, makes yeah. makes it even more wonderful. So, you know, complaints uh, at uh, Malagod Manias on Twitter. And yes. I'll deal with them. There we are. Call it Paul in Oxford uh, gets the wrong namer of the week. But hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. Uh, hi, Mike. How hi. are you? It's a classic, isn't it? It is. It does. It does. It does always make you smile, doesn't it? It does. Ma it does make us laugh, and we're mm. like, uh, "All it right, matter how many write times it down it for the period." Yep, I'm exactly. always grateful for this. So, guys, keep keep doing this. This yes. is really good for me. Sim Harris from Real News. He won a pair a few uh, weeks ago uh, for correcting us, and this time he gets it for the reaction of the week. Uh, just what the mayor does about that is a decision for the mayor. Mm. Absolutely, get him on your program and ask him. Well, we ask him a lot to come on this program, but he never comes on because he doesn't like us. <laughs> oh, oh well. <laughs> oh well. It's true. It is very well, true. Well, I can assume it's true because he doesn't ever come on. And, well, you know, no. he, he's quite happy to go on uh, television. He goes yeah. on GMB. Yeah. Uh, he goes on that other station right across town. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, where well, they don't ask him anything. I don't know. Maybe that's why. That's why, yeah. Who knows? I'm oh, not yeah. here to speculate. Do you know, I saw him in the street the other week. I know you did. And um, he didn't say anything to me. No, of course not. No. I didn't say anything to him either. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe he didn't see you, and that's why. Well, he walked right past me, literally. Oh, bless. With his like, with his little security detail. And also, the woman that was the security detail looked a bit dangerous. So I thought, if I start talking to him, he'd probably take me out. Yeah. You know, not in a good way. As we say, el drama. Indeed. In fact, drama. I was with the Rebecca, which was just before yes, she left. of course. Yeah. So. Anyway, finally. Yes. Here's a question mm. that you don't have to answer. Okay. What did Daniel in Epsom... Conservative leader of the London Assembly, Susan Hall, yeah. and nutritionist Monica Price have in common? I don't know. I would encourage you to have cooking into your routine. And the kind of. It's all I do. We, yeah, well, no, I know. I've been watching your, your Twitter page. It's great. You know, and your, your pictures of dinner have been uh, keeping me, <laughs> making me, making me hungry because uh, that's certainly not how we're eating in here. Um, well, I'm all right until I see your Twitter account on all the food you're cooking, <laughs> and then I go and eat more food. Well, it's you're nice making to... them all hungry. Well, That's it's what you're nice. Doing. It's nice, and um, funnily enough, we we are making plans at the moment, possibly mm -hmm. to do a little podcast, a little cooking podcast. Yeah. We'll bring you more news about that later. Well, if you need someone to um, to help, are you allowed to come and help? Well, I can do that down the line. Can't oh, I see. I, I thought you know. meant come and like prepare the onions or something. I'm really bad at chopping onions. I cry all the time. Oh, well, I can teach you how to do that. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Get a pair of goggles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all that's for the, the Perry Awards. That's the Perry Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.